Hello and welcome to another episode of Fangirl Sports Network's Fangirl Playbook on Blue Wire Pods. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, joined as always by my co-host, Stephanie McCarroll. Today we welcome Sam Esfandiari. He is the host of the Light Years podcast on Blue Wire at Warriors World Radio on 95.7 The Game. Sam breaks down everything going on between the NBA and China right now, and then we dive into all things NFL. So let's get to it. Hello, Steph. It's great to talk to you again and welcoming Sam to the pod. Sam, hello. Welcome to Fangirl Playbook. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, we talk a lot about the NFL on this podcast right now, and we're going to continue to do that. But Sam is very much an expert on the NBA. As some of you may know, I'm sure many of you are on Twitter and do know, there is a lot of controversy going on right now between the NBA and China. And Sam, being the expert that he is, since we have you here today, I would love for you to kind of give everybody an overview of what's going on. Because I've done a lot more research on it in the last couple of days, but I'm not sure everyone really understands the ins and outs of what's going on. And so I'd love for you to to just give us some more information and make sure people are informed. Okay, yeah, sure. So um, I guess you got to start with, for at least the last 20 years, the NBA has been heavily marketing China, kind of. It's part of their whole global branding thing. Um, NBA exploded globally, as everyone knows, um, kind of with the dream team in 92. And, you know, the natural progression of that is they do all these tours in the off-season in China, being a country with 1.4 billion people and um, being kind of avid basketball fans is a natural place they go. So the controversy starts with Daryl Morey, who is the Houston Rockets general manager and uh, president of basketball operations, tweeted um, essentially a meme that was showing support for the pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong. Um, For those who don't no, the Rockets are arguably the most popular team in China because of Yao Ming. And um, so they sell probably more merchandise in China than anyone outside of maybe the Lakers, who just have a gigantic global brand of their own. Um, in doing so, the Chinese government was not thrilled and um, immediately ordered essentially every, every uh, brand in China, Chinese companies immediately cut ties with the NBA and specifically the Houston Rockets. Um, this has massive implications for the league. Um, I want to say one over one billion of their revenue is tied to money coming out of China, broadcast rights in China. I didn't mention that part. They cut the broadcast deal immediately. And just to put into perspective, the NBA does 20 to 30 million view, like 20 to 30 million people watch an average NBA game in China. That's comparable to like the best NFL games in the U.S. So they have a wow, massive audience reach there. there's um, I had no idea. That's amazing. Yes, yeah, so it's like, and so I mean, just if you just want to get to the sport aspect of it, if they really do end up losing all that money, that means salary cap gets lowered and that has all sorts of just general team implications you know teams plan their salary cap based on it being a certain figure they give contracts to players based on the cap being a certain figure well if that cap drops 20 percent 
going to put your team in a really weird position when you planned for it being, let's just say, 120 million for your total salaries, and now it's just 100. Um, so there's, so no one really knows what it means right now. Obviously, China not being a democracy and kind of a free market like the U.S. makes it a little um, confusing at best. <laughs> and then, and then you tie in the aspect that the NBA has been marketing itself as kind of a very socially progressive league. And for the past week, you've seen players, coaches, Steve Kerr, LeBron James, no non-commenting on it and kind of taking this line that I need to learn more about this topic. Um, when, you know, if it's a topic to deal with, um, I don't know, gun control is a big one that Steve Kerr is very passionate about. He feels very comfortable speaking about that at a press availability. So it's, on top of there being the uh, the massive economic implications for the league, there's also kind of the PR hit they're taking at home domestically. No one really knows how bad that is, but it it's just not a good look for the league, which kind of likes their players being outspoken and kind of empowers them to speak on social issues, essentially kowtowing to an authoritarian regime. So that's where we're at with it, and it's really messy, and who knows where it's going to go. It is messy, and I'm glad. I'm really glad that we do have you here to explain it because it is messy and it is complicated, and there are so many implications in so many ways. And I think you've brought up a lot of really uh, good points on this. And it this plays out because you know often the NFL gets criticized, um, and now I think the NBA is under some fire. This one, this is a complicated one. This one is not easy. Very. It's everything because, um, you know, it's like freedom of speech has kind of been um, for the entire world because of because of, you know, all these things that are happening. So it's going to it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Um, but, yeah, they're taking a big hit, especially Steve Kerr, I think, um, for him not commenting. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm I think that see how this plays out. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Sam. I was going to say the NBA is clearly hoping. Um, they can brush this under the rug and kind of get on with the season. And um, I don't know, it keeps getting louder. The story still keeps getting bigger. Um, there are some parallels to kind of Kaepernick and kneeling and how the NFL just wanted to make that story go away. And it just, you know, the more they tried to make it go away, the louder it got, the more central it became as a story to the entire, was that 2016 or 2017 season? 2016. So, yeah, it's just um, I I don't think they're going to have luck making this story disappear. It's kind of a a cross-section of global politics and sports, and, you know, it's it's getting interest from all over the globe. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on this one. I'm sure it won't disappear, and I think, as is the case with most stories like this, the more you want it to disappear and try to make it do so, the less it does so. Uh, but we will see exactly. how the NBA handles this. Uh, and, of course, the season hasn't, you know, technically, they're in the preseason, but hasn't technically started yet. And something tells me we will be continuing to talk about this over the next several months. Uh, but we are going to switch gears here and head over to the NFL, which, of course, has its own share of controversy, which we could spend <laughs> many a podcast talking about that. And Steph and I had, have spent many a podcast talking about that. Um, but we are going to go ahead and go into game coverage, which 
is rife with controversy because last night's Monday Night Football game between the Packers and the Lions had a couple of, as I think Twitter and TV and everybody wanted to call it, some phantom calls. Uh, Nonetheless, the Green Bay Packers were triumphant over the Detroit Lions, but there was a lot of controversy there. I know a lot of people are saying the NFL is rigged. I have a hard time believing the NFL is rigged, and maybe that's my own naivete. I want to use a big word for you guys today. You're (laughs) welcome (laughs) to show you you two how smart I am. Um, But there clearly is an issue with referees, but then maybe – You know, the other part of me feels like there are a lot of games and there are a lot of calls and mistakes get made as with anything. But would love to hear both of your thoughts uh, on last night's game. Yeah, I guess I feel like – go ahead, Steph. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. (laughs) You're our guest. (laughs) I was going to start with I feel like the last game that had this much controversy also was a Monday night game involving the Packers a couple years ago with that kind of – uh, phantom PI at the end of the game and like the touchdown that shouldn't have been a touchdown. Um, mm-hmm. So I just kind of found that ironic, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you, Tracy on this, like six, there's what 15 games a week, 16 weeks. I mean, you can multiply that out. There's inevitably going to be a few games, which are just egregiously officiated. Right. right. Steph, what do you mean? There was, I mean, there were so many bad calls though. It wasn't just that end call that kind of, ruin the game but there was just so many um bad calls throughout the game that it's you know it does like make you question like what's going on and you know I do think that there's some darlings in the NFL that get the calls and one of those darlings is Aaron Rodgers who you know of course I'm a big fan of but it, it it does you know kind of ruin it especially like and I couldn't imagine being a Detroit fan. I would have probably been, like, livid after that. Um, I think they have to remember that referees, I mean, people don't go to football games to watch the referees. I think they have to, you know, pull it back a little and really watch what they're calling here. I think some were egregious, but on the other hand, some were kind of on that line, which are going to happen. So I'm okay with them missing, but when it, like, changes the outcome of the game, that's when you really have to look at it a little bit closer. Like, there's got to be some way to do it. The other thing, though, that I will say, and I think, Steph, we've talked about this before, is you don't want to put the game in the hands of the refs. And I understand if I were a Detroit Lions fan and if I were a Detroit Lion, I, of course, would be livid. And I can understand if Matt Patricia is absolutely livid. But there were plenty of situations where the Lions were in the red zone and settled for field goals. And had they executed better, then they would have had touchdowns. They would have won the game. You know, there's a lot of ifs, ands, or buts in any football game. And you don't want to put it in the hands of the refs. But again, it's kind of like what we were talking about before. It is a fine line. It is controversial. I agree with you. There are darlings in the league, who, but who've earned that. Um, so... You know, they've earned the benefit of the doubt, which I think happens, you know, in every sport. Uh, So, you know, it's a tough one, and it depends, of course, which side you're on. I'm sure Packers fans are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Score touchdowns. And (laughs) Lions fans are like, well, your quarterback is Aaron Rodgers, so you get the benefit. But back to what Sam said earlier, you have, you know, however many games a week multiplied by 17 weeks in a season, it's things happen. They are human. I think that's the thing at the end of the day. Referees are human, 
um, just as players are human and throw interceptions and bobble passes in the red zone that go right into the hands of your defenders, like all of that. Um, you know, I think it, it's human error. I, I just have a hard time believing the league is rigged, but I'm sure there are many people listening to this podcast who will be happy to tweet at me and tell me that I am naive and I'm wrong, and that's okay. That's why we go back to what we were talking about earlier, freedom of speech. So bring it, guys. <laughs> tell us what you think. Um, make sure to tweet us at Fangirl Sports, at Fortnite's Fangirl, at Jaguars FGSN. Sam, can you plug your Twitter handle in this section here? Yeah, it's at Sam Asfandiari. Um, I'm sure you guys will add it when you, you post it. Probably easier than me spelling my name. But, we will um, add yeah. it. We will add it. <laughs> um, so that was Monday Night Football, and that brings me to something I want to talk about. I know we are relatively early in the season, but it's not that long a season, so we're moving right along. Who is the best team in the NFC? I would say our top four teams in no particular order because I don't know that any of the teams are in order yet. But Green Bay, San Francisco, San Francisco, you'd think I didn't cover the team. San Francisco. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good old San Francisco. San Francisco, New Orleans, and Seattle, I think are our top four NFC teams. I don't know that I can rank them yet. Steph, what do you think? Even though, of course, it breaks our heart to say Seattle. Yeah, well. I think Seattle's definitely below San Francisco here, and I know I'm a little bit of a homer on that one, but I really like um, New Orleans. I mean, the fact that they're hitting so hard and winning so many games, and they're not even at full strength, you know, without Drew Brees, Teddy Teddy Bridgewater is, like, out of control. I mean, he's not, like – he's not doing anything, like, so spectacular, but he's making sure to make the plays, make them win the game, and their defense is – pretty good um watching them last week i was pretty amazed with no 49ers have the better record but they they're definitely the more complete team i can't imagine when drew Brees comes back so i think it's one and two so i would probably give the edge right now to new orleans well right now to san francisco but when they're at full strength it could easily be new orleans which I think so, you could say the same thing about the 49ers. Sam, go for it. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Steph said the word complete, and that's what I think of right now. It's mm-hmm. pretty hard to argue the Niners are not the most complete team. In the NFC, they're, I mean, their defense is, I don't know if they're going to be the best defense by the end of the year, but they've certainly been the best defense through the first six weeks of the season, mm-hmm. which is saying something, and they're just kind of balanced all around it. The thing I keep coming back to when I compare them to the other three teams, all three of those teams have very proven quarterbacks. Like at this point, Russell Wilson is playing is is the front runner for MVP. He's he's having his best season ever. I mean, he's he's putting together a season that's on par with like prime Aaron Rodgers type of years. And then obviously Rodgers and when Breeze comes back, I mean, they've both won Super Bowls. They're both Hall of Famers. And uh, for the Niners, you know, I mean, Jimmy's obviously off of an ACL, uh, but he he hasn't even started 16 games in his career. So it's just unfair to compare him to uh, three three quarterbacks who won Super Bowls at this point. And that's where it gets really interesting to me because, like, comparing roster top to bottom, Niners are more complete than all those teams. But all those teams have – I guess quarterbacks you feel a little more comfortable about in the playoffs and you keep watching the Niners and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo throwing at least one egregious interception a game. 
And it's hard to not think if that happens in a playoff game versus one of these really good teams, is that going to be enough to turn the game? Yeah, but sorry. I think that Russell Wilson has um, thrown some pretty crazy stuff, but it bounces it off someone's head or, you know, helmet, and it goes, like, over here, and then they catch and go for a touchdown. I mean, they are the luckiest team, I think, in the NFL. I mean, it's like – if that were any other quarterback, I think they'd be wishing they could take that back. And he's like, oh, God, you know, it was God, Jesus, or whatever did it. So I think, I don't know, I just think that they get a little bit of luck. But I'm I'm not really a big fan of Russ. So. I mean, I will I think say you're not a big fan fan of Russell Wilson but I think he is which I understand but I think as as a quarterback and then I wonder and it's going to pain me to say this and 49ers fans are going to hate this and Steph you're going to hate it too so prepare yourself but I always think Seattle's the luckiest team but then I wonder is it luck or are they just good enough that things bounce their way literally things literally bounce their way um and that you know is is Russell Wilson when he throws that crazy pass and it goes in his favor you know is it is it because he is that good? But, Sam, I do agree with you with the 49ers. Someone asked me yesterday, what do you think, is there a weak link? And I said, I don't know if I'd call this a weak link, but I think the question mark is the quarterback in the passing game. Because Steph and I have talked about this before, too. I said a few weeks ago that 49ers fans may just have to accept that once a game, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to throw a pretty egregious interception. And – you know, the other day there were about three other passes that could have been picked off. I think Jimmy's the guy. I think Jimmy is a great quarterback, so I'm not at all knocking Jimmy. But I think in this season, as we go later in the season and go into the playoffs against one of these other teams, as Sam mentioned, will he be able to rein that in? And they're still missing a true number one wide receiver. Now, it'll be, I think, very interesting to see over these next few weeks if the trade deadline's coming up and they're seven and zero or six and one. Do they make a move for a number one wide receiver because they say, you know what, all of a sudden maybe this is our year and we gotta go for it? And I think it'll be kind of interesting to see. Yeah, and on the uh, on the positive side for him, I do think the defense is as legitimate as they look now. Like maybe oh, they'll regress a little bit just because they're playing at like an all-time-ish level at this point. Um, yeah. So for having that kind of defense, he, he isn't going to be required to, you know, do what Aaron Rodgers has to do to get a win, I guess is what I want to say. So what you're really you're looking right. for is just him to improve as the season goes on. And considering he missed all – well, not all of us. He missed most of last year, but he's off of the ACL tear. There's no reason to think he won't be better by – December than he is right now in early October. Oh, I agree. I I don't think he's a concern. I just think if they were to point to one thing, you know, when they get to the playoffs or if they get to the playoffs right now, it looks like an inevitability. We got a long way to go. You know, will that be an issue? But I agree with you. He'll be much better come December. And, you know, they'll, I think they'll be better. But you're right, that defense right now is playing like one of the great defenses in the history of the NFL. Will that continue? They're going to have a big stretch um, November, December, where they're playing the Packers, the Ravens, and the Saints back-to-back-to-back. And those are going to be three very big weeks for this team. 
Yeah. And but you Absolutely. know, at this point, I mean, they are a Super Bowl possibility. And Absolutely. I think that they're definitely a field of an NFC, you know, contenders in there. They're like the best of the best of, you know, three and out defense. I mean, they're they're doing things like at this level that, you know, without, you know, an injury or anything like that, you know, they have it, it looks good for them. Very good. And they have depth on the defense, which they haven't had in a long time. Yep. And it is worth noting on the Super Bowl thing, when when Seattle didn't win a Super Bowl, it's not like Russell Wilson was what he is now. He was very much doing as little Mm -hmm. as Jimmy is. I mean, he was, like, playing kind of a game manager type of role. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, obviously, like, Denver, what was it, three years back with a defense. Like, every two to three years, we basically see a team win on pure defense. I mean, you can even point – it's not like the Patriots did anything special on offense in that Super Bowl last year. They just completely shut down the Rams. It was honestly a pretty boring game from that perspective. So, I mean, we've seen teams who are just dominant on defense and just kind of control the game on offense, which the Niners have been doing for the most part all year, win a Super Bowl. So I do think you have to take them serious. And they have a very good chance, which is just crazy. We'll see what happens at a first-round bye. So their next three games are Washington, Carolina, and Arizona. This team may end up being 7-0, and going into a Monday night game against the Seahawks. Then they play Arizona again. You know, the second half of the season, there's those three games I mentioned, but all of a sudden, a team that, to be perfectly honest, I will admit this, I thought would be relevant in December and fighting for a playoff spot could very well have a, you know, a first round bye could win the division. But again, we got a long way to go, so I don't want to, I don't want to overhype, even though I'm 100% overhyping yeah exactly we had a very very long way to go so we'll see we'll see what happens but kind of on along those lines and sam you just brought up the rams are the rams done or is it still too early to tell i don't think three and three is the end of the world but they just look terrible jared goff looks awful oh yeah now you know what football looks like yeah right seriously I think that's also what's crazy about the NFL, because even though they looked awful in the Super Bowl last year, I think most people looked at the Rams like, man, they're going to be good for a long time because they have so many young players all over the field. And then just immediately, like, I don't think it's a lock that they make the playoffs at this point. They're three and three. They don't have an easy schedule the rest of the way. Um But with that said, they do have a lot of talent, so I don't want to write them off, but it's kind of, just it's night and day. Like you remember watching them last year and it felt like they put up 35 to 40 points almost every week. And I'm watching this team this year and I'm like, are these the same players? I, I don't know. And, and, yeah, and they have even to the way they started that. Sorry, go ahead. And the, the way that, sorry, Steph, I, didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was just going to say the way they started the game the other day, I was like, Oh, they're back. There was the seven straight right. run plays. There was, that the defense was three and out. They stacked Jimmy. Like, I was like, oh, the Rams are back. This is going to be a tough game. And then it just all folded, which, of course, is a credit to the 49ers. But I would say, I don't know. I I don't have high hopes for the Rams for the rest of this year. Yeah, and they're going to have to go through either the 49ers or Seattle, either, you know, to get, a, you know, a spot. So I, yeah. I, I don't think they're – I don't think they're in. I guess I, I guess I forgot the, the 
I guess I forgot the key point to him. Like last year when they were rolling, Todd Gurley was an MVP front runner. Then his knee gave out and they kind of limped through the playoffs and really that home stretch. I mean, they did get to the Super Bowl, so you can't say they limped that badly, but they didn't look like that same team you saw in the early part of the season. And I mean, the reports on him, it does not sound like this is just a one week thing where it's like, okay, we're, he's just, he'll be back next week. And if he's not going to be the player he was, who is kind of like the foundation for everything they do offensively, I, I don't know that there's that much hope that they're going to just, you know, next week or in two weeks, they're going to slowly turn into the team we saw last year, which was at minimum a clear playoff team. No, I agree. And, and Steph, as you said, they got to get through Seattle and San Francisco. They've already lost to Seattle and San Francisco. They lost to San Francisco at home. Um so, even though it was very much like a home game for the 49ers, there were so many 49ers <laughs> fans there. But, yeah, they don't. They can, I don't ask, really can, you, can I ask you guys a theory on that? Why do you think the, the Niners fans took over the Coliseum? I mean, it was, it was obvious on TV. Like, we all, we all saw the, uh, the viral clips when they zoomed in on sections of Niners fans. But, like, forgetting that, just watching the game on TV, it was loud when the Niners had the ball. Here's my theory on it as someone who has actually lived in L.A. her whole life and actually is a 49ers fan, obviously. Um, my theory on it is that L.A. was without a team for so long, and I yeah. think a lot of football fans in L.A. became 49ers fans as a result. And the Rams, it's there aren't these lifelong Rams fans anymore, really, um, because the people who were Rams fans, were they, when they left, they were gone, like I said, a very long time. And I think people here became less enamored with football, and it became about the Lakers and the Dodgers, and it became more about a basketball and baseball city. Um, and so, and then the fans that were here just picked other teams, and I, one of those teams was the 49ers. So that's my theory on it. The other thing, just, you know, the Coliseum is SC Stadium, and the seats are red. So I also it was definitely louder. It was de there were definitely way more 49ers fans than Rams fans. But sometimes in an overview sea of red, you see a lot of red seats, and that's part of it. Sure. But but I think my I think my initial theory is is really what it is. Steph, do you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. I mean, even living in Southern California, there's just not always. Um, it, it's just not a big football area like except for college I would say college is different yes but it's just they've never been able to support when you know when we're here you know when the Rams were here you know it's just never been able to really like support football at least in you know that level and you know and I don't you know obviously a lot of it has to do with they don't really want to spend money to build a stadium for billionaires. And I get that too. So, I mean, I, it's just a different dynamic here. And I think, especially like in Southern California, we are, we're a transverse city. So it's like there are cities that people move here and they bring their own fandom with them. That happened to me. So, you know what I'm saying? What will be interesting to see, though, is when the new stadium is built, and it's going to be quite a stadium, will that change? I think right now also it feels like the Rams don't really have a home. Um, so will that change for the Rams when there's the new stadium, when there's the excitement around it? But if they're not good, if they, <laughs> if this season is an indication of what it's going to be like next season, 
speaking from the experience of Levi Stadium opening and how that stadium felt, you know, when the team wasn't good, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it happens. Now, Levi Stadium the last couple weeks has been very loud because there's something to cheer about, which obviously is a big part of any stadium. Um, so, so we'll see, I think, how that goes. It'll just be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. And I am curious because I think the feeling here for a lot of people is when they have a home, when this amazing new stadium is built, Rams fans, you know, LA, people, LA fans are going to really rally around the Rams and become big football fans. I'm not sure. That remains to be seen. I think the Chargers can forget it. I don't. I don't. I know that LA isn't up for two teams. Isn't you know up to be a fan of two teams. So we'll see. But um, I think generally that is a long answer to your question, Sam. But I do think that's the big issue. I think. I think we hit it there. No, it makes it makes total sense. That was kind of my suspicion. I just obviously you guys would have better perspective on it than me. So I wanted to hear what you had to say. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. Time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, Fangirl Playbook listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axio Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axio Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, put in code FREE99 at sports.axios.com. All right, let's talk about, we talked about quarterbacks. Let's talk about a quarterback who I think has surprised many a person in the NFL, and that is Kyle Allen. He is 5-0. He's not thrown an interception. 
Um, interesting story. He was really hyped coming out of college. He never fully found his way in college, and here he is on the Panthers doing a yeoman's job, for lack of a better term, in the absence of Cam Newton. Cam may have trouble getting his job back. Steph, what are you seeing out of this guy? Yeah, I mean, he's fantastic. He's very good. And the fact that he continues to win and make plays is just really amazing. I did read, though, that Cam Newton's foot has healed, um, and he intends to come back after their bye. And it's everything that the coaches said, no, this is Cam's job. But I don't know. I mean, I think it's really going to depend on Cam. If he does come back, he's going to have to come back um, amazing. Because if they go down that road again, um, you know, I, I, it's definitely his job to lose. I agree with that. And I think if he struggles, um, Kyle Allen goes back in. I mean, I think it's one thing about sports that's so funny. As soon as the, the coach says, oh, we're absolutely not trading this guy, or this is 100% Cam's team, you know that that's not true. It's almost like these absolutes are like the opposite must be true. Well, and it's going to be um, it's going to be a little harder for them too because Cam has, I mean, he's been the face of the franchise for so long, mm-hmm. and um, it's just hard to argue that Kyle Allen that the, since he started he played better than Cam was playing in the early part of the season. Um, And so it makes it a tougher decision. For me, I'm just really curious um, if Cam's healthy, because the one thing that stood out to me when he was playing those first couple games, um, and it was clear he wasn't fully healthy, if he can't run, like, I I don't know how impactful he'll be. I keep thinking of that one game where they tried, like, an end around on a fourth and one. And, you know, like for the past eight years, fourth and one, they need the first down. That's Cam Newton running it up the middle every time. And they were, and it was so clear that he, you know, he was having foot issues and, and, you know, I mean, he's had injuries over the years that they couldn't even go to that play. You wonder how effective he can be if he's, if he's not able to do something that's been such a big part of his game. Yeah, I agree. It'll be um, interesting to see how he is coming out of the bye. I believe they're on a bye this week, um, and then they're actually coming to full circle San Francisco to play the 49ers, so that, I guess, will probably be his first game back. So. Um, oh, and that's, that's and, actually terrible for him now that you mentioned that. He has to go yeah. against uh, probably the best D-line in football and maybe the best overall defense. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's going to be – it could very well be some pretty uh, rough stuff. So um, I'll, I'll make sure to share – back with you guys and see how that all goes. <laughs> we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. Um, but I think this that is a storyline that is definitely worth, you know, keeping keeping an eye on. Um, moving to the AFC, um, we talk a lot about the Patriots, but Steph, we're not going to really talk about the Patriots this week. Um, they're good. We know it. We will move on. So you're, you're, you're safe on that one. As you guys know, it's not Steph's favorite topic. But I do want to talk about the other two. Well, there are a a few teams in in the AFC. They're obviously very good. But specifically, I want to talk about the Chiefs and the Texans. The Texans beat the Chiefs the other day. Chiefs are on a two-game losing streak here. So there's two things in that story I want to discuss. Sam, we'll start with you. The Chiefs, they're on the – is it a funk? Or are we starting to see chinks in the armor? I mean, in theory, Pat Mahomes wasn't going to throw 55 touchdowns every year. 
because <laughs> no one does that. I don't know so why I you was say kinda, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, it seems like teams are final. Like it's so funny to me last year between them and the Rams and everyone was scoring like 40 points and like all the storylines were like, this is what the NFL is going to be. Defense doesn't matter. And this season has been the opposite. All of the dominant teams right now are defense first. I mean, the Patriots have fallen to that category also. And all these teams playing kind of like the spread, um, kind of running gun style football or whatever you want to call it. I'm obviously using a basketball term there, <laughs> but okay. uh, they're, they're starting to get, um, I don't want to say figured out, but defenses are catching up to it and kind of the, you know, little screen pass to Tyreek Hill that would just go 80 yards. Uh, defenses are being set up for it. And then it's, you know, it's making them a little, I, I guess they're going through it. Now it's just going to be interesting to see if the Chiefs adjust to it, if it is a little funk or uh, if it's a larger trend that what they were doing has quote unquote got figured out. Yeah, and Seth, I agree. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Seth. I mean, I do agree. I mean, the two consecutive losses really exposed their weaknesses. I mean, I always look at, like, their time of possession to see, like, how balanced a football team is. And the Chiefs are, like, we talked about the 49ers, you know, they're best of the three-and-out defense. Well, the Chiefs are the among the worst. They're, like, with the Falcons and the Cardinals about those three-and-outs. I mean, they they don't do it. So their defense is really hurting them, and it's exposing where – you know, other teams can take of their weaknesses, their weekends. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually seems like a, a lot of teams are uh, kind of, I, I think the Patriots created the blueprint for that in the AFC Championship last game, last year. Mm -hmm. The one thing that always stood out to me in that game was the Patriots ran 90-plus plays, and the Chiefs ran like 45 to 50 and it was basically like the Patriots just, I mean, if you remember that game, it was just like how many screen, how many dump off passes to James White can you, can, can you throw in a row, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it was just kind of like, man, if, you know, Mahomes and that offense can be explosive, but if they're not on the field, can't do anything, right? And I yeah. feel like teams are starting to do that to them where they're just like basically doing what kind of the Niners do on offense, which is like, hey, let's go, let's get a 10, 15 play drive on them and then watch them come out here and have no rhythm. And right. I think, Steph, you brought up a word earlier talking about the 49ers and how they're a complete team. Looking at the Texans the other day, that's a complete football team. And that seems to be a more complete football team. And whereas last season, as you said, Sam, we saw these kind of lopsided offenses I think the Super Bowl proved, nope, you still got to be a complete team. Um, so I think we're seeing that with the Texans. Steph knows I'm a huge Deshaun Watson fan. I am like on the Deshaun Watson train to wherever it's going, I'm on it. Um, and I'm just really impressed with this Texans team. And to me right now, it's, you know, them, the Patriots, the Ravens and the Chiefs. But I think those other three teams are much more complete than the Chiefs are. Yeah, 100%. I think, uh, I think you're, I mean, I think we've kind of nailed it. And it's, there's nothing to, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, it's to see, you know, Kansas City totally like lose everything. But I, I do think they're vulnerable. I, I'm not saying they're out of it, but they are vulnerable for sure. Just like the Cowboys. I think that they're in the same spot. Yes, the Cowboys. The Cowboys look terrible, but as Steph said, we've nailed it. 
And I think that brings us to fangirl sale says, because once you've nailed it, I think it's just time to, to cut it off. Sam, we do something on this podcast every week and we can um, bring the Cowboys up in this section, but we do something called fangirl says who's hot and who's not. And each of us will pick who we think is hot in the NFL and who's not. Uh, you also could pick who you think is hot or not in the NBA if you would like to go there, because I know that is a little bit more your area. Uh, but would you like to play our little game with us, Sam? I'm in. I will play. You know, Steph, so far <laughs> we haven't had a single person say no. <laughs> and I feel like I know. really good better odds right now. I, mean, I feel like it'd just be really rude to be like, no, I'm good. I'm out. <laughs> no, I'm not playing with you guys. Yeah, no, you guys aren't. I don't want to play this game with you. But right now, Steph, we are undefeated on Fangirl Set. So hopefully we will keep it that way throughout the season. So, Sam, we always let the guests choose where in the order you would like to go, first, second, or third. Um, I will go last. Okay. Steph, I'm going to let I you go see, first. I want to kind of hear how you guys do it so I can cross mine. <laughs> That's totally fair. That's actually what most guests choose. So that's totally fair. Um, Steph, I'm going to let you go first unless you want me to go first. I'm very accommodating. Um, it, it doesn't matter. I'll go first. Um, so I'm definitely saying New Orleans, and I am I think that their defense is really, really good right now. I think they ha they're all about it. I think they're super confident. Um, so I'm going to say, Fangirl says, New Orleans is hot. And I'm going to say, Fangirl says, Hmm. I think the Browns um, are the browniest thing that the Browns have ever browned. They're horrible right now. And there was so much hype about them going into the season. You know, it was basically a civil war and they got their coach or whatever. And they're just continuing to brown out. They're brown, it's a brown out. <laughs> there you go. I like that. I like that a lot. I also like the browniest things that have ever browned. <laughs> I was into everything that you just did there, Steph. Um, my fangirl says, I'm going to start with who's not, and that would be the Dallas Cowboys. Um, it's a shame that Dak Prescott couldn't have signed that extension earlier because each week that contract is getting uh, smaller and smaller, but they have really turned into a bit of a mess. So I think we'll see what happens there. But I would say the Dallas Cowboys are very much not hot. And my who's hot is a little bit random. And maybe not everyone's going to even know who I'm talking about. But I'm throwing it out there. Jimmy Ward of the San Francisco 49ers right now is hot. He has battled injury after injury after injury. He's been back the last couple weeks. He saved a touchdown against those brownies browns on uh, the, the brownouts on Monday Night Football. And he had two pass breakups on one of the three fourth down um, stops for the 49ers the other day. And I'm going to give Jimmy Ward the hot for this week. Sam, you're up. All right. Um, who's hot? I'm going to go Russell Wilson. I think he's having probably the best year he's ever going to have. Every player has a career year. Some of them are obviously better than others. Uh, I've never seen him play better. I think all the criticism, or not criticism, all the questions Steph had about Seattle are valid. But mm -hmm. I just feel like every week it's come out, come down to him producing some sort of magic, some sort of crazy drive. And I don't see it slowing down. I think this is 
I think when we look back on it, 2019 is going to be the year people say that was when Russell Wilson was at his absolute best. Uh, who's not? I'm just going to go with the whole NBA. <laughs> I think they think this story is going to. I think they think this story is going to disappear in a week when the regular season starts. And I have a suspicion this is going to go on all year, and it's only going to get uglier and messier, and it's going to be a PR nightmare at minimum for them. So things not trending in the way they would hope in this post-Warrior Dynasty year where it's supposedly wide open and everyone's excited. I think those were great. Who's hot and who's not? Uh, Sam, thank you so much for joining us today on Fangirl Playbook. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. Steph, of course, thank you, as always, uh, to my amazing co-host. Guys, don't forget to subscribe to Fangirl Playbook on iTunes and to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And with that, we will say goodbye and talk to you next week. Goodbye, all. Goodbye.